Welcome to the Potomac Pastors Podcast, a ministry for pastors by pastors. The Potomac Pastors Podcast is sponsored by the Department of Ministry of the Potomac Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, created for the purpose of inspiring, motivating, and encouraging pastors. So if you're looking for a little inspiration, then stay tuned as the podcast is about to begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Potomac Pastors Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Johns, and today I'm so privileged to be joined by Heather Cruz, the Associate Director of the Ministerial Department of the Potomac Conference, and a woman with a lot of wisdom and experience. So, Heather, we're so glad to have you on the podcast today. I'm so glad to be joining you. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Now, Heather, I know you get to work with many pastors in many different churches and yourself having pastored for a number of years, we are living in unprecedented times. And just when we thought we were getting past this whole COVID virus, here we are in the fall of 2021 and we're still wrestling with it. And now with breakout cases and all sorts of new nuances, So Heather, I asked you on here today just to share with us a little bit as pastors about how we can wrestle with these current issues. And I wonder how you see the current situation. Right now, I'm feeling like I'm gulping again and pastors are too. It was like we were starting to see a wave kind of start to roll away from us and we're starting to breathe and now it's it's rolling back in and (laughs) it's. I mean, the pressure is coming with it because the pastors I get to speak with are desiring their people to be back in person and being together. And it's bringing a whole new world of challenges that they're having to face with their leaders. Yeah. And the fatigue, I think, is really evident in our churches and maybe even among us as pastors of just how much longer is this going to last? How much longer do we have to keep dealing with all these safety protocols and worrying and not being able to get back to church, meeting in person and doing all those ministries we're used to doing in person. The decision fatigue is very real and it's even created us a new one, pandemic fatigue. If if I could, I would love to live like the pandemic and it doesn't exist, but I don't feel like that is the appropriate way to live right now. I've got to be able to be in the world and make Jesus relevant to the world that we're in now, which means finding out how to relate to this pandemic that we're in. Yeah. So as you're traveling around to different churches and meeting with different pastors and kind of have your ear to the ground in our conference. What things are you seeing that you feel that churches are doing well or pastors are doing well in dealing with this crazy situation that that never seems to end? (laughs) Doing well. I I like that you're calling that out because I do like to celebrate with what our pastors are doing well because they are engaging. They are choosing to not hide their head in the sand or pretend it doesn't exist, but find out how they can set up best practices and how to be present. I think about Junie at the Far West End Church who sent out a beautiful letter to his church. And actually what triggered that letter was that someone had attended one of their in-person meetings and then found out afterwards that while they were there, they most likely um, could have passed on COVID. Mm. And why Mm. I say this is doing well is because immediately the pastor and his committee 
chose to reach out and let the people know who were there, let's take a pause and self-monitor and allow Mm -hmm. people to know what's going on. So this is one of those best practices I'm seeing. People are proactively communicating, not choosing to say after the fact, oh, I'm sorry, I should have told you that I knew this person was at church. And then they found out later that they were COVID positive. Yeah. I'm thinking of a church uh, nearby me here where the pastor was telling me they record who comes to church each week for that very reason. And Mm -hmm. then sure enough, he told me this Sunday that on the weekend they had had a COVID exposure. And so he was going back through the list, seeing who could have been exposed and sending them a notice that they may have been exposed. And I thought, wow, that's that's a little ahead of even what I've been doing in my church as far as really collecting that information and making sure you can contact people in case they are exposed. Because I think any of us, if we were exposed, we'd kind of like to know so we can keep an eye on ourselves. I, I think that's a beautiful practice because when we have that information, you can make that direct contact. Because there's a certain level of communication we need to make with the church in general, and there's a different level of communication that needs to take place with somebody who may have been exposed there. I think it gives uh, a certain peace of mind if you let people know, hey, we are tracking and we're making sure, and if there is an exposure, we're going to let you know because we take safety seriously. And I think especially for those on that end of the spectrum where they are Um, more worried about COVID. I think there's kind of a spectrum with our members. Some some really don't want to worry about it at all, and some are very worried. And I think we have to respect, especially those that are sensitive to the issue, and do what we can to show them that we take it seriously, and we respect their fears and their wishes. Mm -hmm. You point out another challenge that our pastors are wrestling with right now, that we have people who are very, very conservative, cautious, concerned about having every practice possible in place to prevent the spread uh, of COVID. And then we have others who are ranking communication um, community higher. So they would like to set aside some of those things in order to reach Mm -hmm. that goal. And having different approaches on the spectrum in relationship to the pandemic is creating uh, stress and, and some controversy in our churches. Yeah. And as we look at being able to include in a faith community, both of those perspectives and everything in between, being able to acknowledge that people's values are, are real and how people are choosing to relate to this can be respected. Mm-hmm. And as much as we can to, to respect the other approach, even while the churches are wrestling through on what does it look like for in-person gatherings in their context. Yeah. And what I hear you saying is as pastors, we have a role to play in helping our church understand both sides or the whole spectrum of people that might be coming. Because as leaders, we have to make each side aware of the other one. And I I know in my church, I have both sides and both sides will be in my ear saying, pastor, Mm -hmm. can we, you know, do it this way? And then pastor, we need more precautions. Pastor, we have too many precautions. And I feel like I could, first of all, I feel a little tugged both ways, but I also recognize as a leader, I have to help both sides understand and be sensitive to the other side. There are some words that you used as you were expressing that I think are very important. You said each side, 
and you said the spectrum, because it's not just two sides of a coin. There are so this complication is this situation is so much more complicated than mm -hmm. A or B. It yeah. is looking at it from different through different lenses and which value is most important. And so I think that desire to seek understanding and what values is another person putting forward as they're deciding whether they feel that we need one or three masks or whether we need to take temperatures or whether we don't, there's different values that are being put in place and different goals that are trying to be reached. Because yeah. if we can have that conversation and say, Hey, what is the goal of this? What value are you putting as the most important in this situation? If we can understand that it'll allow us to be able to see why some of the decisions are made. For sure. I love that. It sounds to me like in that decision-making process, it would be good to have a team or a committee so that you could have a variety of opinions represented and, and make sure you cover the nuances and the complexity of this issue. Yes. Any team you can bring together that has many perspectives is a good one. It'd be a really great uh, committee meeting if you could bring everybody who had the same uh, perspective and had the same goal, and then it would be able to be resolved quickly, but it wouldn't be an accurate representation of what the church family needs. If you're able to bring those different perspectives, you'll end up with a better decision to be able to say, yes, these are people who are able to express their opinions well and to communicate. And so that those decisions can be made uh, cooperatively. The other piece of this is that being able to front load as many of those decisions as possible. What I mean by that is, it sounds like your church that checked people in, what had front loaded the decision that if there is someone who comes to church who notifies us later, that they may have been able to pass it on, we need to be able to communicate with people, they front loaded that decision. Mm -hmm. So instead of having to make decisions in the heat of the moment, a committee has prayerfully worked through what do we do if this happens? What do we do if that happens? And it removes some of the stress in making those decisions because you know the church community knows what's going to happen if there is someone, an exposure at church, or if the positivity rate goes up in their community, or if the, the government mandates closing buildings and moving to online those discussions, if they can take place beforehand, remove some of the stress. That's an awesome point. I really like that to, to kind of have your policy already set out and your procedures and what are we going to do if this happens so that all those decisions are, are made ahead of time when you can, can think about them more thoroughly, process them. And then it's easy. Once something happens, you just go through the steps and make sure every, everything is followed and it, and it ensures the safety and it, it ensures your members that you are doing everything you can. And I think that's a big message, especially for those who are a little more fearful right now. Mm -hmm. The Beltsville Church did very well with this. They said that they were going to review periodically. So instead of each board meeting having the big agenda item that required most of their time, how do we relate to COVID? They said at these certain thresholds, this is what we will do. And we will review this quarterly so that then they were able to use their time in those meetings to focus on mission and how do we share Jesus now instead of this becoming the only topic that their board dealt with every time they met. 
And I respected them for communicating effectively in newsletters on their website that when this happens, this is what we're going to do. And so their church was able to know what to expect and how to relate, mm. as well as that these decisions were prayerfully made by a group. Yeah, I like that. You know, I was thinking as you were talking, there's a lot of medical experts within our people and our congregations. And even at my school that we have as a partner to our church, we have several parents that have some great expertise that lend themselves to this topic. And they can bring those mm -hmm. as a wealth of information for us because as pastors, we're not medical professionals. Mm -hmm. We're not exactly the experts on this. And so having a broad team with some of these medical people, I think can be an asset to us and to, and to tap them on the shoulder and ask them, Hey, would you be willing to serve on this team and just give some recommendations from your perspective and from what you've seen going on in the medical world? Mm -hmm. I know that the Courthouse Road Church has a back to in-person meeting committee. That's what they called it because that's what their goal was. They, they were formed during the time that we were only able to meet virtually. Mm -hmm. And their goal was to be able to meet in person. And the team they brought together included medical professionals as well as those who were gifted in, in risk management. Mm. And one of those concepts that they were able to bring from risk management was the Swiss cheese theory. Okay. The idea is that every level layer that we're able to put in place prevent uh, spread of, of COVID or other, other germs is every layer is like Swiss cheese. There's holes in it. So there's holes in each one. But if you stack enough layers of Swiss cheese up, you actually get a barrier. Right. Okay. And being able to hear from the medical professionals about what are the medical resources available to care for someone if they get sick, as well as to hear from other individuals who are speaking from the place of isolation where they truly need to be in person with an, uh, with physically in the same space as another human being. Yeah. And bringing together those different perspectives allowed them to create a plan that continues to, to help them even now. Excellent. I love that. The Swiss cheese affect the plan. I like that. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, especially dealing with COVID because there are so many layers to this uh, issue. Let me ask you kind of shifting gears just slightly here. What do you think we as pastors and maybe what churches or pastors have you seen doing a good job at ministering during this pandemic fatigue? Because I know we all feel it and things are kind of up and down now. We kind of went through a summer where we thought, okay, maybe we're past it. And then now the Delta variant and things, and it's kind of like we're back to square one, but it's kind of a hybrid at this time. And I think it's a little tricky. And I'm just wondering if you can think of some examples of someone that you think is really kind of understanding the times and trying to roll with it uh, instead of just fight against it. Well, I think of, of AJ and his district down in Southwest Virginia, he's been able to create a lot of outdoor events. Mm. And so recognizing that people need to be together and mm -hmm. that they need that community as well as need to be able to move forward in, in mission, I've appreci appreciated that he's found a way to move things outside. Yeah. 
which means we get together, it is a safer environment. And because of not needing as many Swiss cheese layers in that space, then it's a better meeting place for those who are, are more cautious or those who are, are yeah. more eager to be together in person. Yeah. You reminded me, we have a men's small group and they came to me at one point and said, pastor, we're, we're zoomed out. We're mm-hmm. done with zoom. But one of the men said, Hey, you guys can come on my back deck. I've got a nice big back deck. I've got a heater out there and let's just meet out there one Sunday. We'll have a little food and we're just kind of spread out on the back deck. And the guys really loved that. I felt like that was a win-win where not only were we able to get together and do it fairly safely, but we were also at someone's home and it felt intimate and we all felt like we could connect and we we got a time away from zoom, which can be useful, but we've all been on it so much. I think people are ready for something a little different. Yes. The fact that in our society, we all know what the word means zoom, that it doesn't <laughs> mean <laughs> going too fast. It actually, right. yes, it means <laughs> online meetings. We need to find those ways to connect. I think of Jorge out at Virginia beach. He took the baptism to the beach mm, and then people were able to come together and celebrate this beautiful commitment to Christ that baptism is this testimony that he is first in their life. And everyone was able to be able together instead of saying, well, we need you to pre-register, or we can only allow this many in because of the need for physical distancing. He could just say, everybody come, let's, let's get together and celebrate. And so I do applaud the creativity of our pastors who Mm -hmm. are saying, okay, if we can't do it this way, then we can do it this way. We can meet outside at the beach. We can do a porch visit. We can drop off a care package on the porch. We can, we can still be community together, even in a world that looks very different. I agree. And I know for me during this pandemic, just making more phone calls and touching base with people because I couldn't see them as much in person and maybe they wouldn't be as comfortable for me to be in their house, but Hey, we still have a telephone and I had some really meaningful conversations and it's not as great, but we all have a phone and guess Mm -hmm. what? You can phone call someone. And I think they almost like it better than zoom because (laughs) they're tired of being on zoom. So just (laughs) talking on the phone for a little bit, catching up, showing that you care and you can make a a lot of phone calls uh, in one day versus trying to drive around and get to everybody's house. So it is a nice way as a pastor. And, and the other thing I encourage my elders, I, I assign them certain sections of the church and ask mm-hmm. them just to call and check in on people once a month. We're, we're rediscovering the art of the phone call. We had gone yeah. so much to, let me just send a t- quick text to yeah. now just savoring the sound of, of the voice mm-hmm. of someone else in our faith community. I've received some cards. I mean, you know, the cards where you need to get a physical address and a stamp (laughs) and they've showed up in my mailbox and I've really enjoyed those. And some of those things are being recaptured and being Mm. able to understand that, that this is important. We've also uh, at one of the churches, they had, what we did was a connected church challenge. So every week there was a specific thing in inviting people to be connected to one another. So sometimes it was call one, text three each day. Mm. Sometimes it was get outside and move for 20 minutes. Sometimes it was as simple as, as yes, just wave to your neighbor. But 
being specific, because sometimes we say to people, we need the community of faith and we leave it at that without giving a specific action step. I love it. To be intentional, to be specific and let people know, here's what you can do or give them a choice. You can do A or B or C, but do something specific, intentional, practical to reach out to your fellow brothers and sisters. I really like that. And I think we do as pastors sometimes fall in that pitfall of just, hey, go reach out to your you know, fellow church members. And then we don't give them a specific idea or way of how to do that. So I like that. Tell me, Heather, as we're wrapping up here for our podcast, what is the final thought or what is the final piece of advice that you would like to leave with our pastors for this time? The final thought I would leave with our pastors for this time, for this place that they're called is that what you do makes a difference. Mm. That when God called you, he knew that you would be pastoring in the middle of a pandemic and that he would need you to continue to point your church to Jesus. And while pandemic fatigue is real, and while we get weary in our calling, that that reminder that God was the one who originally called and God is the one who can sustain and renew. I believe there are times when pastors feel like it's time to enter a different line of work. Mm. And that can come from a place of exhaustion or of, of disappointment or of just weariness. Mm -hmm. And if we go back and realize we don't do this for ourselves, but because God called, it does remind us of the importance of what we do, but it also reminds us of the one who sustains us in the calling. Yeah. So I would encourage pastors during this time, as you go through this, and as the ground underneath your feet keeps shifting, remember the one who holds your hand does not shift. And that's mm. your savior who called you to speak his name in many places during this time. Beautifully said. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for that encouragement. I know we all need it as pastors as we continue in these unprecedented times. Thank you for being part of the podcast today and for each of you who are listening. Thanks so much for joining us today here on the Potomac Pastors Podcast. We are talking with Heather Cruz, the Associate Director of the Potomac Conference Pastoral Ministry Department. And everyone else, we thank you for listening. We'll be back again next month with our next podcast. Until then, God bless. Hi, this is Deborah Anderson, Assistant to the President, Director of Communications for the Potomac Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Our mission here at Potomac is to grow healthy, disciple-making churches. Potomac pastors develop and empower their members to be servant leaders so they can effectively share the love, hope, and faith of Jesus in their local communities. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the busy urban streets, Potomac's territory covers all of Virginia, the District of Columbia, and Maryland's Montgomery and Prince George's counties. Potomac's 91 pastors minister to more than 37,000 members in 182 congregations. We have over 115 dedicated teachers providing instruction to 1,400 students attending our 17 schools. Potomac also operates Camp Blue Ridge. It's a retreat center nestled in the rolling hills of Montebello, Virginia. If you'd like more information on our ministry and our mission, please visit our website at pcsda.org.